Revelation chapter 17. Let us read from verse 12. This passage, it describes the spiritual battle that exists between the Lord's people, the church of Christ, and uh, satanic forces. And so we break into the passage. We read, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom. As yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. And the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their heart to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. There's also a passage earlier on that I wanted to actually read. Um, it's, uh, if we go back further up, we read verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk, drunken with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And uh, friends, we have read the end of the chapter that how she falls, how the Lord is set against her. Dear friends, we have started a series of studies for our midweek um, studies um, over the, this period. Uh, on looking at an outline, an overview of church history. And I wanted to uh, give, give as well some lessons and practical lessons from it. So we've broken off from our uh, usual um, Bible studies and, uh, and give ourselves to these series of um, historical uh, talks and uh, with some PowerPoint presentation. But we have this great treasury of church history. We have the inspired history written down for us in the word of God. And then since, as we saw last time, since the early times of the apostles, there has been the work of Christ being fulfilled in building up of his church. And that continues on. We are part of that history. And uh, we must learn much from what the Lord has 
shown to us by his providence, working out his purposes. And so we embark upon this great voyage, this remarkable voyage. And it transports us back in time uh, to now we want to think about the era of the early martyrs, the Christian martyrs. Within their lives, within the tapestry of their lives, uh, we discover, dear friends, profound uh, narratives, amazing stories of God's grace, of we find of unwavering faith. We find this courage within them, which is based not upon uh, some figment of their imagination, but the grace of God in their life, the change of that Jesus Christ has brought about in their lives. And how God uses men and women and children who are in their flesh and possibly in their mind, they are weak. But God uses them for his own glory. Dear friends, these early believers that we want to think about, these believers, they were driven by a love for Christ. They were driven by this devotion and faith in the risen Savior. And what, what happens is that the, the, their lives becomes like, a, uh, like an illustration. Their lives and legacy it etch, has etched into history. Um, great insights and of their conviction and the power of God by His Spirit in people's lives. By the way, they sacrificed their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, friends, we want to think about these things. The Satan has always been opposed to the church of Jesus Christ because he's opposed to Christ. He, he fell. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about the fact that he saw Satan fall from heaven as a lightning. Satan is set against Christ and his people. So he's not just set against you. The reason he's set against you if you're a child of Christ is because he hates Christ. And Christians are, as it were, little Christs. That's what a Christian means. The word means followers of Christ. And so we see this in the word of God very clearly. And so there we have scripture. Uh, that speaks about this. We have that passage that we read together of the, the fact that the, the woman was drunk with the blood of the martyrs. She had, she had shed much blood. And, and friends, as, as, as those who are living in England, this, this land has experienced uh, the shedding of men and women and children's blood who've professed faith in Jesus Christ. We have it very close to us. Of John Hooper and others, dear friends. And so when we think about this matter of looking at church history, remember the scripture speaks about these things. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about the fact that they will come and they take you and they bring you before courts and they, they ask you questions, they demand of things of you. And dear friends, if they have done such things with our Lord Jesus Christ and with the apostles, who are we to, to 
think that such things will not happen to us. And so the scriptures paint a vivid, uh, as it were, picture, a canvas of spiritual battlefield where the forces of good and evil engage in this perpetual battle. But we know who is the victor. Our Lord Jesus Christ has already won because he shed his blood for us at Calvary. He's defeated Satan already. But friends, if, if you're living a life and just you're just cruising through your life, I wonder where you are spiritually. If you're just going through life without any struggle, I wonder where you are spiritually. If there is no battle in your life, spiritually speaking, ask yourself. This is not the story of Christians. This is not what the scripture says. And the apostle Paul wrote and said that we are not ignorant of his devices. That is Satan's devices, his schemes, his plans, his, he attacks us. And so as we think about the lives of these men and women, it wasn't simply because there were governments who were against them, who are behind these governments of this world, who the scripture calls the devil, the God of this world. So there is this conflict and we should remember that of this conflict. The scripture speaks much about that. So in the backdrop of everything, there's a spiritual thing going on. Individuals are mentioned. Things are, uh, certain things happen in history. But remember, it is God's providence working out his purposes, his will in the lives of his church, his people. And there is one who goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we want to think about the persecution of the early Christians. And as we step into their shoes of the early Christians, we, we see this picture of persecution. We see a picture of suffering. Christians actually do suffer. And that unfolds before us, whatever history book you might read. The rulers, the governors of the time uh, in the early church and throughout history, they employed abhorrent methods to su su uh, suppress Christians to, and to suppress their faith. And, and these Christians had a choice. They could submit, submit to the powers that be, to, to submit to what the government said and the ruler said, or to side with Christ, to stand for Jesus Christ. They were to either to renounce their faith, and it's always that. It is either, is it Caesar or Christ who is king? Who are we going to believe in? Who are we going to stand for? Either they were to renounce their faith or to endure unspeakable torment. I think we live in, a, in, a, in our Western world, we are living in times where Christians don't like suffering. But nobody likes suffering. No one has ever liked suffering. 
We don't have this kind of a love for suffering. But Christians want to escape suffering at any cost. They don't want it. They, they don't have a doctrine that, uh, of, of, of suffering that actually Jesus Christ, he went ahead of us. And he suffered for us. And he said that the, the servant will not be greater than the master. But Christians don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to be laughed at. They don't want to be mocked. They don't want to suffer any kind of restrictions. They don't want to lose their home. They don't want to lose their education. They don't want to lose their credentials. So it is good for us to learn church history and think about some things. And we are only touching the surface of these things, dear friends. But Christians in the past, they suffered brutality. They faced brutality. They faced the flames of stakes. And if you just begin to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it, it wrenches your heart. These are our brothers and sisters who suffered for Christ. And, and even today, so many more are giving up their life. And suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, when you look at it, we are in a dark world. But in the midst of all this darkness, Christ and his people continue to shine. His true people will shine brightly like a beacon. Pointing the way to Jesus Christ. They are undiminished. They, their light doesn't go out against all that they experience. So, when we look at church history, when we think about individuals, and, and the fact is this, that when we name names, these are only individuals whose names have been recorded, whose names actually exist to this day. There are so many people, nameless Christians, who have suffered much for Jesus Christ. Only eternity will tell. But they're speaking, their lives speak of Great resilience, unyielding faith, and that's their testimony of the grace of God in people's lives. So let's begin with the, the apostles and the apostolic fathers. Those apostles, those great men of God who were used by the Lord, those stalwarts who stood at the forefront of early Christianity. The apostles and the apostolic fathers, those who came after them, those leaders after them. And while the New Testament might not um, provide a, a very extensive or comprehensive history of their martyrdoms, Historical accounts testify to the fact that, uh, that they, most of them, most of the apostles died a martyr's death, except John, who was cast upon the Isle of Patmos. And there are many, many accounts of people such as Peter being crucified upside down. Those are, those are the uh, sort of traditional accounts that has been passed down for us. There are, of course, there are, uh, accounts, they are not inspired accounts, and we need to bear that in mind too. But 
all of their, their lives, the, the, both the apostles, the early church fathers, they speak to us. They give us a great picture of their love for Jesus Christ. And so we, we encounter various people. We encounter people like Ignatius of Antioch, who was a towering figure, who when faced with the scrutiny of his faith, when Emperor Trajan boldly asserted that you have, a, you have the devil, you have an evil spirit. And he said, not an evil spirit, but I have Jesus Christ in my heart, he said. I have Jesus Christ. And, and dear friends, these, these people who became imprisoned, they were prisoners. They t- faced torture. They paved the way for the future of Christianity. They held Jesus Christ dearer than their own lives. There are people like Hermes, Ignatius, and Polycarp, and such people that we will think about a little bit of of their lives. Think about that man of God, Ignatius, Ignatius of Antioch. When you read church history, he always pops up. His name always comes uh, to the forefront. He was a man who was confronted. He confronted the highest levels of power with fearless heart. He stood before the emperor Trajan. He did not flinch at all the things that he was being accused of. And there's an amazing exchange between Trajan and uh, Ignatius. The Emperor Trajan, he comes and he begins to uh, ask him questions. He begins to interrogate him. He says, do you mean him who was crucified by Pontius Pilate? You believe him? And he says, yes. Yes, I believe him. He was crucified for my sins. And he laughed at him. He mocked him as he questioned him. But this man, Ignatius, he said, no, Jesus Christ, he died. He was crucified for my sins, for my sins. He is making it very personal. He knows Jesus Christ. He's not going to let go of the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of the greatest man in the Roman Empire. Who gives that person that faith? Who gives that person that resilience, that he does not fear the face of man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You can study his life. You can uh, read about this man Ignatius of Antioch yourself. His Polycarp, the Polycarp of Smyrna. He was a disciple of the Apostle John. And, and he is the one who is oftentimes referred to. Films have been made of him. And the account of his life, it is an amazing account. It's bearing witness of the steadfastness in the face of persecution. He's captured. He's, he's, um, uh, people gave him up. 
and he's captured. And then there is this dialogue with his persecutors that capture him. And when he talks to them, his words show us. They reveal that a man of a bro- unbroken, he's unbroken by all that was happening around him. He was told, you must denounce your faith or you will die, Polycarp. You must reject Jesus Christ or you will, you will die. And many of you have heard these words. This, this man who, in his old age, he is not broken under any of these things. He keeps bearing witness. And what a testimony that is to you older saints. You be stronger than your early days. You be bearing more witness than your early days. Don't be shy to profess the name of Jesus Christ. How long have you got left if you are an older saint? How long have you got left? So burn brighter for him, like Polycarp. When he was, he was told, you are going to go to the lions if you don't listen. And he said this, 80 and six years have I served Christ and he has done me no wrong, he says. Why should I now deny him? He's an 86-year-old man bearing witness. And so he was thrown His life was thrown away as rubbish by the Roman powers. And yet his life has become an embodiment of this unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. And what the Lord does in young and old, he's determined to the point of death, he will serve Jesus Christ. He will bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you serve the Lord? We become so shy. We become uh, very afraid when, when someone in workplace might speak to us or, or a family member or whoever. Are you willing to bear witness of Jesus Christ? Or would we become like Peter? who A little girl can make him afraid. Well, dear friends, Let us be praying for courage. Let us be praying for greater love for Jesus Christ, more than the love of and the smiles of this world. We have to move on. Think about others, not just men who stood for Christ, but there were heroic women in the history of the church in those early years. There was the woman Blandina, And there was uh, Vivia Perpetua. Have you heard of them? Blandina, she was a slave girl. She was from the southern France. She was very frail, seemingly. But she has emerged as a symbol of astonishing strength. Because she defied all the attacks of strong men. She defied all that, uh, all the expectations. No, she will crumble under pressure. She, she witnessed of the Lord Jesus Christ. She stood her ground, but the powers that be sought to crush her. 
She, said, she was told that you'll be thrown before beasts. The beast will crush you. The beast will rip you apart. You'll be tormented. Do you think of that? But she said, no, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I would give my love, life for him. So she was thrown away to the beasts. There was the Vivia Perpetua of Carthage in North Africa. She was a young mother. You might think, well, these are people from old days. I have my life and there is, things are different now. Well, here was a woman, Perpetua. She was a young mother. She had a little, little son. She had an aged father, an, an old father who she had to care for. She had family responsibilities. She was a young mother. And she had this, to grapple with this heart-wrenching choice between her love for Christ and her love for her family. What would you do in that situation? She had fully grasped the meaning of those words of the Savior. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. She was at risk of 100% death. You know, people are fearful of some level of risk. People say, well, we should not be taking risk in our lives. But here's a 100% chance of, of death. What a thing that was. So that she would bear witness of Jesus Christ. You know, every time you gather together in this church, every time you carry your Bible to church, you're bearing witness. Of the Lord Jesus Christ in a small way, in a small way. And here was this woman who was facing the ultimate price. She said this when she was charged, when she was um, being manipulated emotionally, and she said, and she was told, "Are you going to lose?" Are you going to throw away your life, your child, your father, and all that you have? Are you going to throw them all away for the name of Jesus Christ? For the name of somebody who is not here with you? Where is he? Is he protecting you now? She said this, for that name, I will willingly or gladly die. That encapsulates the essence of what Jesus Christ had done in her soul, she would not always say such a thing because she was born just like us, a sinner, an enemy of Jesus Christ, but Christ had saved her. And so this is a response of a woman who is walking with Jesus Christ. So these women, and we've only, I've only made certain statements, very small, few sentences about each one, but these women, uh, they embody, uh, they embody conviction, valor, and it goes against the societal norms. They are swimming against the society of the day. In what way are you, am I, swimming against this world? The world hasn't changed, dear friends. It's got worse. The world hasn't become better. And, uh, and no, no, the world hates us. The world would crucify Jesus Christ today. 
if they could. The, the world uh, throws us uh, in front of the beasts if they could. And what they are doing is, yes, they, they will not conquer by the sword right now in the West, but they are conquering people's minds. They are coming and telling you what you should think, what you should believe. If you have your TV on all the time, if you are reading the papers of the day, if you are listening to the, to the broadcasts of each day by the mainline media, your mind is being attacked, whatever you might be watching. You might say, well, it is only a, um, a, a, a program about nature. I like David Attenborough's sound, but you listen to him. The constant drip feeding of evolutionary theory. Oh, it's only, it's, it's only my child is doing this or my child is going and doing a college uh, course. And if you are not watchful what they are trying to do, here is Gloucester College. If your child is applying, as my child has been applying, this is what they have to fill in. Okay? I'll read it to you. I'm just quoting. This is the Gloucester College. This is not somewhere in America. This is not somewhere far away, some liberal place out there. This is good old-fashioned Gloucester College. Okay, what is your sex? You need to choose from a number of things. What is your gender? Now, the first one, please select it, says the first one is transgender. Already they are telling you the first option. It's not even by, um, by alphabetical order. So the first one is transgender. Don't you think that kind of a course, that kind of a college uh, is not indoctrinating? Should, should you not be watchful over these things? The, first, the next one is female, then male, then bigender, then gender queer, then gender fluid, then gender neutral, then gender variant, then gender intersex, then gender female, gender male, binary, or other. My friends, this is not somewhere out there, you know, far away from us, somewhere in the future. This is now, here and now. And, and I'm not saying these things just to say, well, uh, you know, we um, have to just um, retreat out of everything. No, no, I'm not saying that. But we go with, realize this world is seeking to take over and dominate, and they are not the friends of people. They are not the friends of Christians. In what way do you stand? So here, is, here are these heroic women, just two or three of them. And there are many more. But then think on something else. <clears throat> the... Cyprian of Carthage. Here's a figure. He journeyed from being a uh, teacher in rhetoric, in teaching, and in preaching all the false ideas of the day. He was the Jordan Peterson of the day, if you know who that is. He, he, and yet then, by God's grace, his heart was changed and he became a Christian. He became ultimately a Christian bishop. 
uh, whose lives was transformed. And in the history of his life, we find an encounter with Galerius, the uh, proconsul of Rome, who condemned him to death. And there is this dialogue that goes on between Cyprian and uh, Galerius uh, that has been unearthed, <clears throat> which again speaks about this, this battle that is going on between heaven and between the, the forces of hell. And he responds after being attacked, after being questioned again and again to deny Christ and reasoning why he should deny Christ. He says, I have lived as a Christian and a bishop for these many years. Can you add up, he says, so many years of life in one line? He says, it was being charged and says, but you tell me, you tell me, what is the life of a Christian? And he says, can you add up? And then, and then he goes on to explain of the fact that his life, which was before as a rhetorician, as a teacher of rhetoric, is nothing. It was empty. It was useless. It was sinful to what Christ did for him. And he said, I oh, know I trust in Jesus Christ. You cannot take Jesus Christ from me. You can separate my body from my soul, but you cannot separate Jesus Christ from my soul. He is there with me, he said. So he's surrounded by a, an immense crowd. And, uh, and as he said those words, the final words that he cried, he trusting Jesus Christ. The centurion severed his neck at one stroke. But dear friends, the blood of the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus Christ was not shed in vain. These that we read of, that the apostle sees, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. They were, none of them was shed, were shed in vain. There are lessons for us. And then you have the catacombs and the legacy of those that are still to this day. You can visit the catacombs. These hollowed uh, places under the earth, these labyrinth of passages and chambers that, that offered for those early Christians who were fleeing uh, a place of refuge for these believers who were scattered throughout Europe. There are many of them still to this day around in Italy, in France, and elsewhere throughout Europe. They etched the symbols of their faith. They uh, painted the pictures of the bread and the wine and the uh, symbol of the fish on, the, on the, the walls of it under the ground. And they all are reminders of their commitment, even in the under the ground, in the shadow of all of the troubles and adversity. They, they all tell us of this story of the unity of the Christians between one another, their resilience, their love for Christ, the fact that they, they wanted to worship Jesus Christ, that the bread and the wine communion was important for them. Baptism was important matter for them because Jesus Christ was important for them. They sought to protect their ministers and preachers. 
and they sought to listen to the word of God. They took the word of God with them. And so these underground sanctuaries, they encapsulate, as it were, the living history of those who stood firm against the tide of persecution. They had to go underground. And, and there may come a time, as it has happened in this country, there may come a time that Christians uh, ought to go underground or the, to have double lives as, as it happened in certain situation during, during the Second World War. And before that, under the communist regimes and so on, the Christians had their public face and their, their private face. They, had, they only had a, a little life above the earth and their real life was with the Christians. Something that we have forgotten, maybe. But then, dear friends, we see these pictures of the martyrs of the day. We see and we hear of martyrs in, uh, in the various parts of the world, in various countries in Africa, even in South America, and uh, in various parts of the Middle East, in, uh, in, in the Far East, in China, North Korea, even Japan. Oh, these martyrs throughout the history have have an impact on the world around them. When you think about it, it, it challenges us, it encourages us. And there is this truth that keeps coming back, this truth that emerges, that their, their death, their sacrifice, the, the sacrifice of the early Christian martyrs were not in vain. These accounts that we hear of, these accounts that we can study, they, they go through time. They, they, they're like a symphony, like a music of faith, what Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ makes weak people who are fearful naturally, they're shy naturally, to be courageous. Do you feel shy? Do you feel weak? Is your faith very small? But in the face of opposition... The weakest saint upon his knees is the strongest in this world. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. So there's this legacy that these uh, Christian martyrs of the past have, have lit with their own bodies, as many of them were lit as torches. There's a, their legacy is a torch that illuminates, and it ought to illuminate our path as well for us to take courage. It's nothing new we are experiencing. Christians have suffered much. And it, all of these things are urging us to stand resolute with our convictions, not to compromise the, the scriptures, the word of God, not to compromise the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. As others are compromising, we ought to be standing stronger. As people are saying, no, the book of Genesis doesn't matter we ought to hold on to it. If we, if you are told, no, we don't need to speak about hell. We do not need to speak about sin. We do not need to speak about the one way to God. We, we ought to be resolute, whatever may come. So, so what are some of the practical lessons that you and I could take? Faith in the face of adversity. That's, that's the lesson. Adversities come, 
Don't be surprised by them. Don't be shocked by them. Don't be concentrating too much about that. More concentrate about knowing Christ and following Christ and the Lord will give you the grace and the words in the midst of it. If you do not be growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, when adversity comes, you will buckle under the pressure. You will compromise under the pressure. So these martyrs who were confronted with unimaginable challenges, they stood. They chose to stood. It was something, there were some of them who didn't stand. But many of them did stand. They didn't renounce the faith. So when all is going well, we can say, oh yes, we are the the." Children of the Puritans. We are the children of the Reformers. But when a little pressure comes, they say, oh no, they were the people of their age. Uh, And uh, things have changed. The government is not so much against the church anymore. Mm. But also, we ought to have courage in the face of fear. That's something else that we learn. Courage. Is a word that is very much missing from, from the world in general, people in general, but also from the Christians. These people who faced the prospect of gruesome deaths with bravery and composure. These people who knew that their children would be thrown before the lions, that their, their babies would be dashed against the wall. They said no. And the parents had to watch their children being slaughtered. They would still not deny the faith. That's amazing. Courage. Christ will give you the strength, dear friends. You draw your strength from the Lord Jesus Christ. When everything else around you is is, is crumbling and uh, you are losing your friends, families, work, whatever it is, you hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then another thing that we learn from this is that there is no sacrificing of the truth. We ought to be willing to be sacrificed for the truth, for what we believe. There's this willingness of these martyrs to sacrifice their lives rather than compromise their beliefs And that underscores the depth of their commitment. They actually knew what they believed in. They knew their confession of faith. They knew why are they, for example, we have had Baptists who have been drowned. They knew baptism was an important doctrine. Or the doctrine of justification by faith. It's it's an important doctrine. Are you willing to be sacrificed for the truth? Of the word of God. That's something else that we learn. Another thing. The fourth thing to learn is this. The legacy that must be left. Of of perseverance of the the saints. These legacy of these Christians. They they live on. They they shape the history of, of the church. Their sacrifices. Their stories became the foundation of the growth of the church. And and ministers have pointed to, to, to them. Look. They followed Jesus Christ. You must also follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They were not just words, but they lived out their lives. And something else that I was thinking is that any Christian, maybe by the grace of God be faithful, any Christian. You don't say this is for the elite. This is not something for the super Christian to live out. No, no. There are men. There are ministers. There are farmers. There are butchers. There are all kinds of people. There are children. There are women. There are housewives. There are leaders. There are common believers. All of these things are illustrating for us that faith and courage in the Lord Jesus Christ has no limit. It's not limited by our gender or social status. And it teaches us about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. We've already touched on that. The lesson is this. We ought to be vigilant. Watch. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples again and again. Watch and pray that ye be not uh, taken into temptation. Don't think we are not at war. There is a war going on. And the devil would want you to think that there is no war. We are at peace. The seventh thing is this, that we ought to seek refuge in the Lord and with the Lord's people. You seek refuge in the Lord and with the Lord's people. Lord's people. These people came together. They didn't separate. They didn't run away and hide away individually. But they came together. They went underground together. They suffered together. The catacombs are a picture of that. They're the hidden spaces of the early Christians. They actually united more during persecution, during government um, adversity. So it teaches us about community, Christian community. Are, are you right now in peace? Are you living a detached life from the church? Well, I fear sometimes Christians are living a detached life. And, uh, and just you live your life separate from other people, not really connected. What will happen when troubles come? What would you do when you detach from the church of Jesus Christ? There's so many other lessons about the the Lord's transformative power. God is always at work in his people. That, that, uh, that when persecutions come, people are, are, are shown to be what they are. But, uh, and if the grace of God is in them. The impact that our suffering will have upon others. The impact of our faith while we are suffering. It has on other people. People are watching you when you're lying on that bed in the hospital, when you are being uh, badly accused in your workplace, when you are in a marriage situation, when your spouse is not converted or when your children are not converted, when the um, neighbor comes and accuses you of certain things, th- there is people are witnessing things. You, your faith in the... In the face of all of these things, is is having an impact. People remember. 
But something else that you ought to be thankful for and learn is that you ought to appreciate the freedoms that we have. Do not take it for granted. Do not sell it for a mess of pottage. Do not think, well, this is only a small thing. They're only asking us to do this one little thing. It doesn't really matter. But if you ask yourself, is this, is this something that is taking away human freedom, religious freedom? Are we being told what to do, how to worship God, when to worship God? All of these things. It all speaks, dear friends. It all uh, it tells us that what is it that we value? Are we valuing the freedoms that we enjoy? That, that the people who gave up their lives for for the freedoms that we enjoy, are we valuing those things too? So friends, there is much to be thankful for. There are many things to learn from these martyrs that we've only, only scratched the surface. I've been very general about things because of the time and we have to just move through these things very quickly. But I've, I've mentioned names so you can go and dig in. And, and study more and find out more about these people's lives. These are real people. They were not super Christians. They were just normal Christians who loved Jesus Christ and they faced persecutions. And you can read about normal Christians who are living their lives under persecution today in different, in different countries too. But what a challenge it is for all of us and what an encouragement it is for all of us. You know, the church is never going to die when the church is being persecuted. But when we are in affluence and when we have nothing to worry about, then it is that we have to fear. When we are compromising and when we are happy with a life that is not at war with the world, then you and I, we have to be very fearful because the Lord's candlestick may be removed from us. Uh, the Lord uh, is the one who uh, judges us by his word. And so that is why the ministers of the gospel must come with clarity and challenging the congregation and saying to them, look, there is a war out there. Remember this, there is a war out there and you're a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. May the Lord then bless his word to us. Let us pray.